We've all heard the stories of young entrepreneurs. Mark Zuckerberg was 19 when he created Facebook in his Harvard dorm room. Subway Restaurant was founded by a 17-year-old. And Yankees Candles was also established by a teenager. But not everyone does that, and not everyone can do that. So if you're facing your second or third act and lamenting you didn't start sooner, I have good news. We have good news for you. It's not too late. It's never too late. I'm Dana, and welcome to This Life's Work with Charles Ratliff and Friends, a podcast that's more than just an interview show. We're going to sit down with business and community leaders to gain a real look at their life's journey, their failures, achievements, and all those zigzags they've taken along the way. We, me, you, everyone, we create our entire life's work through a combination of career, faith, relationships, community, and business. Ultimately, our goal in this podcast is to encourage listeners to take command of their lives and what they focus on day after day so they can create a positive, meaningful life's work. Being an entrepreneur is one of the strongest ways to make that happen. And joining me now is our podcast host, Charles Ratliff, and our episode guest, Patrick Sbarra. Let me tell you a little bit about Charles first. During his 25-year career at Walmart, Charles served numerous senior executive roles, working alongside a lot of the legendary retailing CEOs of the time, including Sam Walton and David Glass. Charles became known as a bit of a fixer. I use that in a very positive way. He was sought after quite a few times to create or transform divisions within the very rapidly expanding Walmart during that time. Now, let's jump to his next act. Charles became an entrepreneur and a business advisor with multiple companies and investments, including United Country Real Estate, Ratliff Lifestyle Properties, The Cabins at Big Springs, and CBI, which is a business brokerage business. Now, let's jump to Patrick, who has an interesting story as well. Patrick's bar started out as a pharmacist. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, Patrick. Uh, at the time, one of his patients was in the radio business, and he introduced Patrick to his next career move, which was radio. So after 20 years in radio, Patrick co-founded New Creature, which was a is a shopper marketing agency in Northwest Arkansas. Then came his current venture, Lamplighter Restoration, a company that creates modern living spaces infused with pieces of history, and you'll recognize a lot of their work around downtown Bentonville. So uh, Patrick and Charles, you could say both of you are very experienced second and third act entrepreneurs, and we're going to talk about that today. Welcome. Well, that's great. Dana. Awesome. Thank you. It's good yes. to be here with you. And Charles, thank you for inviting me Appreciate you to guys. spend this time with you. Yeah. Now, Patrick, we want to focus on the zigzags of your career, because it's really interesting. You started out as a pharmacist, then radio. Tell me a little bit about that journey. That is not a point A to point B career. And what do all of those zigs and zags along the way have in common? Yeah, Dana, you're correct. There was a lot of zigging and zagging, but there was a, th a thread that kept it all together. For, for fun, you'll know that a pharmacist that's an RX, as in recipe, right? an RX, radio, it's radio with an R. New Creature helped uh, suppliers and retailers, so it really was in the retail business, that's R, and then Lamplighter is in the real estate business, so everything's R. RX, radio, retail, real estate. So I guess my next adventure, I'll become a race car driver. I said you're going to be a rock star. Or next. maybe, yeah. oh, a rock star. <laughs> or eventually <laughs> retire. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to be a rock star. My best friend John and I used to 
play drums and guitar every day after school, after sports, and, and we went to Woodstock together in 1969. Whoa. I was going to say, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other yeah, really. podcast. That's, that's right. That's right. So how did you know, really going into becoming a pharmacist, how did you know it was time to leave that and go into radio? What really sparked that? And then I'm going to let you and Charles talk a little bit about uh, the zigs and zags in your careers as well. You know, sometimes we all pick a a major in college based off what we're feeling as an 18-year-old. And often that is driven by your interest in school. Mine were math and science. I loved math and science, did well there. And I even worked part-time in a pharmacy. So that sort of made me feel comfortable with that. So I can use the math and the science and pursue a degree. So let's go become a pharmacist. And then Working in the pharmacy serendipitously, one of my patients, again, was in, in the radio business. We, be, we began a friend, friendship, and he recruited myself, an English teacher from our high school, and a few others to join the, uh, the radio broadcasting business in the late 70s. But interestingly enough, I, I actually wound up in sales. I'm selling airtime. I'm not really in radio. I'm in selling for a radio station. And he said, don't stop being a pharmacist. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you always ask, where does it hurt? And how might I help you? How might I help you? So that word help is the theme that holds all the others together. We're always helping, um, whether it's pharmacist, help somebody get well quickly. In, in sales, um, in radio, it's, it's customer needs analysis and how might I help you? And much like pharmacy, a prescription without a diagnosis is malpractice. And then when you did the retail, uh, the suppliers wanted to sell more stuff at the point of purchase. How can I help you sell more stuff at the per point of purchase? And now in you know real estate, it's we're really developing neighborhoods. How do we help renovate and, and bring life back and restore uh, a neighborhood? So it's always helping. And something that Charles said earlier, or you said about Charles, is he was always known as a, a fixer, right? A fixer, yes. a problem solver. What? Uh, all right, Patrick, I'm going to start interrupting you. I apologize. That's for okay, that. Charles. You, yeah. you get, get your Let's jam. You, you, you know, I woke up this morning and think, this is going to be fun. I don't have much written down. We'll see what happens. You and I have known each other for a while. We have, we have a lot we could talk about. But you were talking about helping, and I wanted to uh, encourage our listeners to pick up on on these uh, topics as we go through here because uh, you reminded me of a story and I'll interrupt you when you remind me of something. All right, you <laughs> I had a young lady call me about this time last year. Now this, this is, listen to this and tell me what you think. She said, uh, I would like to get your permission to give my husband an interesting birthday present. I said, what's that? She said, a gift card for you two to have lunch. And we chatted a little bit, and I said, well, absolutely, let's do that. And we did, and it was a great lunch. I'd like for our listeners to think through, you know, these, these guys have been around a while. They've done a few things. They don't, we don't mind if they give us a call or uh, sit down and visit with us, come by our office to visit. What do you think? Yeah, and say, help me. Help me. Just help e me. exactly where you are. Help me, right. And you are a fixer, which is a problem solver, which goes to the only two titles that can ever be on a business card. 
I am either a help person or I'm a problem solver, which could also be an obstacle remover. So those are the only real <laughs> titles on cards, help person, problem solver, obstacle remover. All those other fancy titles that make us feel good about ourselves really yeah. are, if you you know drill down, that's really what we're doing, right. helping, solving, removing obstacles. Good, good point. But I still can't. Okay, back to the farm. How in the world do you go from a, the pharmacy to the disc jockey, and then you've got more? I want to, and I want to hear the rest of your story on that. Well, after almost twenty years in uh, farm, um, excuse me, in radio, we were living in Dallas, and I had also become forty years of age. So there's a season of life at forty, and my pastor gave me the book Halftime. Read it. And right, yeah. we've all read it, right? right? And it's like, what do we learn at the first half of a person's life, especially a, I don't mean he's sexist, but a typical male pursuing success in the traditional manner. Sometimes you get to 40 and you realize, I actually have success. I'm doing pretty well. This is not midlife crisis, it's midlife success. Now what? And you feel you want to do something more significant. And I was feeling that. So I turned to Susan, my wife, and said, let's leave Dallas and let's move to the friendly Ozarks where your family's from and we'll go find next there. I had no idea Walmart was based here when we moved here. It was not even in my mind anymore yeah. that you think of IBM in Armonk, New York. You don't even think about that. You don't think about that. So we came here and looking for next and um, – Walmart was here, suppliers were moving in. It was the California gold rush. All the suppliers were moving in to harvest the gold out of what was Walmart. Your, what was your real intention? What, I mean, what did you was think? was to start something, but, but, I, didn't, you, but I didn't know what it was going to be. Wow. Now, how many – I don't think I know anybody that does that. <laughs> I don't think I've met anybody that says, "Oh, okay, well, that's enough of that. I'm going to go do something else. Let's turn that off and go do something else. Yeah. M most of us get nudged into doing that. Yeah, and I had, I had a mortgage and two children and futures of colleges and weddings and said, Let's, we are, we're doing well. We're in Dallas. We're in country radio, sports radio. Life is good, but I feel there's something more significant. And then, but, but building the business that served Walmart wasn't the significant thing. It was pulling together two, then four, then eight, then 24, then, then 40 people, mostly young people together and unleashing them to do their best work. So really, while New Creature at that time, you know, helped suppliers sell more stuff at Walmart and helped Walmart sell more stuff, the real success, the real significance of that time, the higher purpose of the company was to unleash these 40 people to do some extremely dynamic um, things and, and and find themselves. We have a, We had a phrase that we get people done through work. We get people done through work. Danny, you talked about mistakes earlier. Earlier in my career, the mistake was we get work done through people. We get work done through people. When it became significant, we get people done through work. And as you're getting the people done, your old colleague, uh, Don Sodaquist, would always say, we have high expectation of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have high expectation of one another. We have high expectation of what we can accomplish together. So therefore, we need to be unleashed. And we could have done that in any business sector, any SEIC code. But what was here in Northwest Arkansas were suppliers, Walmart, 
Let me, and that that was that was what was here. If we would have been on the uh, east part of Arkansas, I, I would have tried to do something with mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was plentiful supply. So uh, I still can't get quite get my mind around this. So I, I convert uh, ideas into numbers usually, and, and try to quantify those so I feel comfortable with it. And everything you're saying really would have made me very nervous <laughs> to walk away from a career and come and, and, and not know what you're going, et cetera, et cetera. But here, even more than that, your background now is in pharma- pharmaceutical sales, uh, science, and math. Math. Uh, generally, that's not a formula for startup business uh, in an entrepreneurial. Well, you wouldn't think so. You think more of a business background, understand the profit loss statement, etc. Did that scare you at all? Or I guess not. After all the other things you've done, you thought, how how'd you do? How'd you manage that? That's a good question, Charles. I don't think it has to do with. I have a lot of friends that are were history majors and English majors that are successful entrepreneurs. So what, well, while you're there, my BA is in political science. There so you go. Maybe I maybe I fall in there. I don't yeah, know. but again, it, it teaches you how to think, um, and how to solve problems. Mm-hmm. But I think what it keeps the entrepreneurs, um, what they have in common is a sense of purpose, a vision. They have they see something in the future, and if they can see something that no one else sees, that's even better. I see what others don't see, um, and even though it's, sometimes it's right underneath our our feet, what we what we what we see. Got to so, tell you another story. So go right that, ahead. If you can keep your thoughts patterned, it's it'd be amazing. As I interrupt, I you. only exist to trigger you to tell <laughs> stories. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because I, otherwise I wouldn't have anything to say today. So I lived in Pine. Brennan, I lived in Pine Bluff a couple of years when I first got to school, which was good for a lot of different reasons. Since she was from Bentonville, but one of those was I found myself. What's your what? You know, what you were just saying about visionaries, and, and I found myself uh, managing a department store, um, and and I met these two young men that were just interesting to talk to. I, I don't know, that, I don't recall that we had a reason, but we'd meet on Monday mornings to talk about things. And now I look back, this was in the late 70s. Now, remember the late 70s, what things looked like. You, you and I can do that. One of these guys was took panel vans, which were the only kind of vans there were at the time, remodeled them, ooh, put windows in them, custom seats, stereos. I mean, how unique is that? The other fella had a was a photographer. He had learned how to produce uh, his uh, pictures in a day. wasn't an hour yet, but it was a day. Now, how unique is that? Now. I have no other meaning other than to say I found myself attracted to these guys that were in businesses that I look back 40-something years later and go, wow, can you? I can't believe that. These guys were way ahead of the curve. There's a lot, there are a lot of people out there like that. You sound like you were one of those. Well, some of those entrepreneurs that are successful, they have some skills and talent and experience, even if they're only 17. It's what they know. It's what they feel. It's what they believe in, and they they know I'm good at this. I can see this. I can I can do this panel van you just described, or I can make that photograph in a day. Which think back then was very fast, very unusual. Back then that was mm-hmm. fast. Now we do it instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So they they see and they feel that I can I can make something out of this. Much like the mosquito back in Joe on the east side of the state. What can we do with this mosquito? What can I do with this panel van? But you you remind me of something. As I sit here with you and Dana, 
that let's touch on it periodically. You're reminding me what one of Don Sodic was most often used comments around me. Passion is contagious. Yes. It's contagious. I mean, this is fun. Think of the things you can do. I get goosebumps occasionally thinking about all these things. I'm getting ready to turn 67. I'm still thinking through, mm-hmm. oh, wouldn't this be fun? I, w- I wonder if we can make that work. Well, Don also used to say that culture trumps strategy. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And back to the entrepreneurs who may be listening is, so we have this vision, we have this passion, and now I need to build a team around the fun of it, even though it's going to be work and it's going to be hard, there's going to be some f- fun and cultural things that we, we collectively will do together. And that drives you right through all your, your problems. And the name of your company was? That one was, that was New Creature. And where'd that, where'd you get the name? Actually, a friend of mine, I was looking for some names and a friend of mine, Paul Olinger, ex-Walmart exec. Mm-hmm. Gave me the name New Creature. This is in 99. I did not know where it came from, but I liked the way it sounded. Oh, Because we, we're becoming new creatures mm-hmm. as people. And the company is becoming a new company. And the company can morph in the future to do new things. Everything's always new. I said, I like that. I said, where did you get that? He said, Second Corinthians. Any man who is in Christ is a new new creature. Mm-hmm. You know, the old is past, behold the new. I said, oh, I like it for that reason too. But there's no fish on our business card. You know, we're not church. Um, Chick-fil-A isn't church. Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. that operates well and has a vision and does it with passion and does it with discipline and closes one day a week, takes 52 mm-hmm. weeks out of the out of the math and does it well and goes toe to toe. What you anybody rem- else? What you remind me of there uh, was that you were talking about this group of y- y- young folks, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But your title, your name of your company, in itself laid a foundation, a standard, a standard that's measurable. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, and as you learn through that process. To build that company like that, or any company, first element of that, the very first thing we have to do is create a, a atmosphere of trust. And trust is built on competence and character. Oh, I'm, I'm stealing your notes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go. go. But no, I, no, you're right. But now I get it. I, now I get it. Company name. So immediately you set the tone. That Charles is referring to, he sees a pad on my lap, that, and I wrote the word trust on it. Because trust is the currency. Trust is the currency that passes between the leader and their employees, the leader and their teammates, the company and the customer. And sometimes you're coordinating multiple disciplines to serve a, a customer and they all have to, we all have to trust, trust one another. So I'm glad you mentioned trust is, is, the, is the currency, but their culture of what does it mean to me? So each employee who came to the company knew that we were trying to make them new and allowing them to become new every day and unleashing them to try out new legs and try out new things. And, and, and together we were excited. We, were the, we, were, we used to say if we were a rock group, we'd be the Rolling Stones. If we were <laughs> military, we'd be Navy SEALs. Right? That's who we would be if we weren't you know, here doing what we do. But that's the, that's the attitude. So the, the current company that Dana um, referred to the real estate company as lamplighter restorations. Right? And you sometimes think of the little person holding the lamp out in front of a, of a building. But that comes from Psalms 119. You're going to help me with this, Charles. Your word yep. is a lamp unto my path and a 
light unto my feet. So again, there's always this sense that what we're really talking about is a sense of values. So we've got a vision, we've got a culture, we've got values, we've got a higher purpose. And I think successful entrepreneurs usually have some higher purpose. They're not chasing a dollar. They're chasing this purpose and they chase it so well, this higher purpose so well, and remove obstacles and help people and solve problems that the cash will start to flow. But so many entrepreneurs will chase a dollar. And as you know, 80% of startups fail in the first year, and then 80% of the 20 fail in the second year, and then 80% of those fail by the third year. And if you make it by the third year, fantastic. But sometimes you're just chasing a dollar. You gotta be careful about chasing a dollar. You gotta chase the vision, the purpose, the, nurture the culture, um, leverage your, your gifts and leverage your opportunities. Uh, Charles, help me with this one. You know, much given, much required, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Dana, yep. you were speaking about a 40 or 50 year old becoming an entrepreneur. So by the time you're 40 or 50, you have with you a great deal of experience, a great deal of knowledge, a great deal of ability. You've built that up over 10, 20 mm -hmm. years. Even if you're only 30, you've got 10 or 15 years of it. And if you're 50, you've got 30 or so more years of it. So I bring with me experience and knowledge and ability. That, that's, that's with me, no matter where I move to, no matter what company I work with. When you move to a certain place, the place brings opportunity and resources to you. And if that place is physical, like Northwest Arkansas, that's physical, that's a place. But if it's the digital world, which exists you know, globally, that's the place. So what does the place bring in opportunity and in resources? So there's four things. There's much in experience, much in ability, much in opportunity, and much in resources. An entrepreneur sees how to pull those things together. And that's what his mind is on or her mind is on. It's not on the dollar. It's on those things. You're, you're, okay, you uh, interrupt you again because no, there's an it. element here that I want to talk about for a minute. I haven't heard you mention it, but I, I feel it uh, and I sense it. So, but to but to get there, of course, I have to tell a couple of stories. I've been to two two funerals the last two days. Uh, David Glass Monday afternoon, uh, leader at Walmart, and then a, a, a fellow that I admired considerably, uh, Dana. Had I, I don't know if they still do this at Walmart, but when I was there, we had uh, annual evaluations with two levels of supervision your boss and your boss's boss. And I've had the uh, good fortune of having 20 consecutive annual evaluations with David Glass in the room, so I had a, a chance to learn a lot from him. And then yesterday afternoon, uh, Patrick was uh, <clears throat> Marilyn Bogle, very active in the community. Uh, her husband, Bob, really helped me out when I first started with Walmart in the late 70s. Uh, Marilyn was, in addition to that, she was very active with Razorbacks and with young women uh, in sports, but she's also my wife's Girl Scout troop leader and impacted them significantly. I sat yes, uh, yesterday at the service with the Girl Scouts, her, her former Girl Scout troops. I mean, it was really interesting. And I said all that to say this. Well, one other comment. Dana, in preparing me for uh, being ready for today and, and these sessions that we're talking about, said, you need to read Tuesdays with Maury. Have you read that one? Oh, yes. Um, 
what you know what interesting book but it, it's there's some parts in there that are similar to halftime except he's beyond the halftime but i said that to say when do we step do we step back more he asks do we step back away from ourselves and our daily routine and say uh is this really where I want to be? Is this, is this what I want to do? I mean, I don't know if we can ask you that because you, you obviously did that several times. Uh, a lot of us go, I had 25 years at Walmart, uh, which meant that as far as I was concerned, I thought I might stay there forever. I just had the good fortune to be able to retire early. Um, but do you step back and take an assessment and, and think about, yes, this is, this is what I'd like to accomplish. This is my purpose. This is what I want to be. This is how I want to impact others. Uh, I am those things I'd like to be. And if not, let's make some changes, uh, which reminded me of a, uh, I think it's a Rick Warren uh, testimony I was reading one time that said, do you want to get to the end of life? And that's what Ramoy reminds me of. You know, you get to the end of the life and you start reflecting. That's what funerals do. And that's my right. point of mentioning mm-hmm. those is you sit there and you start going, well, okay, now wait a minute. Am I doing what I must? Am I, am I really being challenged or do I need to be? Is, is life the way it should be? Am I going to have regrets when I get there? I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, oh, boy, that was an average life. Mm-hmm. You know, the definition of average, you're, either, you're the best of the worst or the worst of the best. And, uh, and I don't want to come home at the end of the day and go, ah, I nailed this average thing. I was very average today. Well, now, now you're speaking about what does success look like? Uh, that's another question I ask of both business people, entrepreneurs, but just even friends assessing life. I'll go, draw me a picture of what success looks like. Mm-hmm. I love in that book, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. You know, One of the first three habits is begin with the end in mind. Also speaking about a vision, and they make the um, connection to a funeral. So go to the end, go to the funeral, and hear what people are saying about you. So is it he built a big company and was a billionaire. He was fiscally successful. And by, there's nothing wrong with those things. Um, right. David Glass was certainly yep. successful in those ways. But are those really the things that they spoke about at the funeral? I did not attend that funeral. Did they lead with he was a billionaire but, but, and he but, owned but, a lot of things? No, well, they, they you know, led with the lives he But, you know, it's interesting. They've had the video. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 95% of them, it seems like, were family, mm-hmm. grandkids. Yes. Right? Yes. So what does success look like? Back to the word help, it's wouldn't it be wonderful if all the people we've helped were at our funeral and they raised their hand and that's who did the funeral. This is how I was helped. This is how I was helped by by Patrick or Charles or Dana or David or anyone. This is how I was helped. This is how my life was better. Because you're hearing me speak of it as if I'm a Barnabas. Which let's go back before pharmacy. How did that even start? So my parents unfortunately got divorced when I was fourteen, and I lived with my father, right? Mm-hmm. My my earthly father. So from fourteen to eighteen, with two bachelors as roommates. That was all during 60, 66, 7, 8, 9, all during that Woodstock era, that landing a man on the moon. Did he go to Woodstock uh, you with know, you, by the way? He drove us within two miles of it. And then we, <laughs> then, we walked, nice then we walked the rest of the, we walked the rest of the way. But he did. I said, Dad, we need a ride. There's a concert up in the woods. So this was during that era. My dad and I were roommates. And he was a traveling um, sales professional. 
And as he would travel, I was home alone, a male, so I had to make my own food, iron my own clothes, and he'd leave me little encouraging notes. I'd always find these very encouraging notes in my uh, in my drawer, in my desk, in a book. He was very good at that. And I would smile. He'd, he'd leave me a note. So not knowing it, he was a Barnabas in my life, a very encouraging person. So he, And then he started his own company in his 40s. He was an early into solar energy and other things related to HVAC. He launched his own company in his 40s. And I watched him do that as his 18-year-old roommate. So I was being encouraged and also observing another entrepreneur. And um, he always helped my friends. He was always available to help people. So that DNA was in me. So even when I chose pharmacy because of the math or science, I thought, well, that's a career of helping others. Okay. So I've got, I've got what does the that. end look like? Here's Who a, have we helped? I've got to tell another story. So you just remind I me. I exist to help you do that. <laughs> so I just made another note. Uh, do you mind if I talk about uh, – when I came to, you may not remember me coming to visit you in the hospital a few years ago. Yes, thank you. Do you, do you remember oh, yeah. me being there? That was all. That was almost my end. Well, do you mind? Uh, sure, go ahead. What, uh, uh, do you share your uh, ailment, or would you rather not do that? Or I had a uh, a stromal tumor removed from my intestines, and it caused severe peritonitis similar to getting a bullet in the gut during the Civil War and uh, 22 days in the hospital fighting that. You, you look like you might not come out of there. I'm not sure what they told you. They told me that. They told you that. So imagine this, Dana. I go down there to visit him, and, and I really wasn't sure if you remembered because you were <laughs> you weren't in really good shape. And <clears throat> I stood and watched a, f a few nurses and aides come in and out and and uh, they were getting ready to do something. I went out and stood in the hall so they could uh, do some process with you. I don't remember what it was. And there's this aide that uh, CNA that had come in a couple of times that I thought, well, she looks familiar, but it's, you know, one of those people was out of place. I mean, I knew the fact. So I was standing in the hall and finally just had to say, do I, don't I know you from somewhere? And she said, yeah, I used to be, I used to work over where your mother's in a nursing home and, and uh, help take care of her and, and uh, anyway, we talked about that a minute, and I said, well, it's good to see you over here. She had a nice smile and all that. And I, I, said, I said something about Patrick. She said, oh, Patrick, isn't he a great guy? And I had to think a minute. I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, the guy's always smiling. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he's 22 days in here. It looked like he you know, may not come out of there. She said, he always has a great attitude. Ask how we're doing. He, do we need anything? Now, that, that's helping. Dana. Oh, I want to tell a little Patrick story. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't come ready to tell this story, but I want to tell it. So I started a business a couple years ago, and it was one of those feelings where I walked in the door and thought, oh, what did I do? And um, you called me, and you didn't have to do that, but you talked to me for a good hour while I was standing in the business by myself, no customers in there, and you encouraged me. But what I will not forget is at one point, a customer walked in the door and I wasn't sure how to handle being on the phone and making sure I serve the customer. And I said, Patrick, I'm so sorry, I have to go. There's a customer that walked in and you said, get off the phone, serve the customer. And so I say that because there were two things that were really reflective of how I feel about you. Number one, that you are an encourager, just like you said that your father encouraged you. And number two, the customer focus. 
And I hope to take that with me. But what I want to say is that there could be people listening to this. I hope this podcast has the kind of reach that other people, whether or not they have lunch with you or, or get the honor of getting phone calls from you, um, what would you say to encourage them? If they're either thinking about starting a business or standing alone in the business they just established, what is, the, what is that encouragement that you would pass on to them? Well, piggybacking on you saying, serve the customer. And I can recall that. I said, hang up on me right now and go wow that customer. Go take care of that customer and and really serve them in a meaningful way and and wow them. So at the end of all of this, whether it's panel vans or new creatures or photographs or your store, there's a customer somewhere in this mix. And I always think about who is that customer how do we serve them? Why do they need us? And a sidebar to that is, is if we did not exist, would they miss us? So this thing that I'm about to do, is it really relevant to that, to that customer? So back to the entrepreneur as you're thinking this through. Yes, you're going to do your spreadsheet. Yes, you're going to do your pro forma. Yes, you're going to put your executive team together. Yes, you're going to go to the bank and borrow money or steal it wherever you're going to get it from or, 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 or turn in your 401k and pay the penalty, right? I've got X in my 401k. I'm going to turn it in before a time and pay the penalty and use that money. So that yes, you do all that. But then you think, who is the customer and how can I wow them? And a keyword is wow them, not just of a transaction, but have them um, think almost of themselves. I'll go back to your store, Dana. You want them to say, I like me when I'm in Dana's store. Mm-hmm. I like me when I'm with Dana. Mm-hmm. When people say, I like Charles, and many do, what they're really saying is, I like me when I'm with Charles, it's psychologically. Right. Mm-hmm. So same thing with it, whether it's online, digital, or a store, or delivery. I like me better when I'm interfacing with that service, that product, that provider. And when we think, and how do we earn that from the customer so that they like themselves better when they're with me and earn that trust that Mm -hmm. Charles referred to Mm -hmm. earlier. I I need a place to go. I need a happy place. I'm going to go call Charles. I need to feel better about myself today. I'm going to go have lunch with Charles. Mm -hmm. Or I need some help. Charles, I have a problem to remove. Charles, I need an I have an obstacle. Charles, and I always like me better when I'm with Charles. Have you noticed, Dana? The entire time he's talking, he has a smile on his face. I don't know how people do that, <laughs> but I do have a but I do have a face for radio. <laughs> per Don, <laughs> but I want to ask you this: one, one, one last, if if maybe maybe the last topic, maybe not. So uh, during our daily walk years. You and I had, uh, what did we say, about 10 years we were talking earlier probably. We, had, we met once a month, uh, Don Sodequist and others on a panel, and we talked about faith in business primarily and the, uh, what your daily walk looked like. Had a lot of people come through over 10 years. Um, so I, I thought about that this morning. I got on the tr- treadmill early, and uh, I listened to Rick Warren. And Rick Warren, if for those that don't know, is a pastor on the West Coast. Uh, I really like him. Purpose driven life. Purpose driven life. Yeah, and uh, he also swore in. You know, he was he he swore in uh, 
Barack Obama, as a matter of fact. He, a lot of interesting background. So I listened to it. But when, and here's my point. When I got through, I thought, and I'm thinking through what we need to do today, and I'm really kind of psyching myself up. And I want to talk to you in relation to faith, fun, energy, passion, you know, what makes you get up in the morning? What makes you want to do this? And I thought, okay, I'm going ahead. So I, I'm only multitask type folks. I also had uh, Fox Business on, but I had it on mute. And I'm watching, I'm reading it, listening to Rick Warren. And I get through and I think, okay, I need, I need another level here to get ready for today. So I thought of you again. I popped on the Uptown Funk. <laughs> Bruno Mars. We, we love that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, now that that really got <laughs> that got me going and got me to the next level. And I, I I thought afterwards, and I had to play the next one that I thought of. I had a couple of country songs in there too because I'm I'm doing stretches and other things you have to do at this age. That's why you look so good. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> and uh, so I had to play uh, "Can't Stop This Feeling," mm-hmm. and I can't dance to it, but I tried to the one you know a little bit while I'm in there. You can't help it when you listen to that when you listen to that song. And I thought. That's where I am. I think that's where you are. I can't stop this feeling. I love getting up and thinking this is going to be fun today. I'm working with a gentleman from uh, New Jersey right now. Periodically, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, well, there's got good things coming. My daughter, I have two daughter-in-laws. I'm, I'm from New York, you so I. Well, I, had two, I have two daughter-in-laws. One born in Hartford, Connecticut, and the other one in Rhode Island. So, yeah, I'm familiar with the area. That can't stop that. This this gentleman. I, he impressed me the first time I sat down with him. He's 73 or 4, has a ton of energy, maybe more than I do. And the first, one of his first comments was, hey, working with you, this gets me up in the morning. This is one of the things that gets me up. What gets you up in the morning? What what makes you say, okay, I'm a real, real estate developer? What is it that does that? What, what, why can't you stop this feeling? Oh, Charles, that's a great one. Can't stop this feeling. I, I want to piggyback on your piggyback. Back all the way to the beginning of this conversation, getting into pharmacy, but staying with my dad, it was during the late 60s and FM radio and my best friend, John, the music. So after school, after sports, we'd go to his house and he played guitar and I played drums. And there was, there's another theme through all of this. It's music because you're right. I crank up a lot of music in the morning, during the day, uptown at the end, in uptown, uptown any, anything that, that gets me up. So, you know, there are a lot of things that can lift me up. So with intention, whether it's something I watch, something I read, something I listen to, I try to start the day. It could be um, um, an article. It could be a biblical verse. It could be a song. It could be what starts the day. How do you wake up on that new day and start it out? with a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the day's going to throw things at us, but we have to drive through that. But I'm I'm glad you mentioned the music, Charles, and we share that, is that music is a wonderful um, uh, source of inspiration. even melancholy music, every now and then it it's feels good to listen to a sad song. Mm-hmm. It could actually inspire you. I don't know if you relate to that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I interjected and, a country so the song in there today called uh, Same O Same Around Here, yeah. which very few people have heard of. It's basically saying, boy, life's the same. Life's the same. Life's the same. That's when I plugged in Uptown Funk. Right. You know, okay. And that's both, too. There's a fixed component of life that is the same yeah. every day. Right. That's the routine. That's and then we because we are entrepreneurs and we're encouragers and we can't are, stop this we feeling. can't stop this feeling so we we put the the variable in there yeah so, how, how yeah. old are you by the way 
Oh, wow. Well, I'm 65. I'm oh, socially you, secure now. Right. Well, you're young. Well, you're on fixed income. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I'm getting ready to turn 67. Now, who would think? Would you have thought when you were Dana's age that you'd have... 21. <laughs> Almost 40. You remember 40 the this year. Geico commercial with Pinocchio. <laughs> I see a lot of people in this uh, with talent. I see a lot of talent in this You room. have potential. <laughs> you have potential. <laughs> yeah, but would you have thought when you were hurried, seriously, that you'd be doing these things at 65? I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. That goes back to what Dana said at the beginning, the zigs and the, and the zags. Um, life just happens along the way, but we have to remain alert to see where is that road taking us, and situations change, and opportunities change. And we, we are fortunate, Charles, and those of us who are speaking like entrepreneurs, we've lived a kind of life that is more fluid. And there's nothing wrong with the other life of I came out of college, and I joined a firm, and I put 35 years in there, and I was straight, and I did the same thing every day, as long as they found some joy in mm -hmm. it. Right? And they could. They can find joy in, in doing X for yeah. 40 years in a row because really exactly. probably probably that in that 40 years that they did that people came and, and left the company young people came and left in the company and when they think of their life's work it wasn't the routine that they did every day at their desk was Wait, their life's you're, work you're hitting on one all of, the people they inspired you're along hitting on, the way you're hitting on one of Maury's points in his book you know as he's dying and visiting every Tuesday is that and, and by the way he did pretty much the same thing. He was a professor. He taught. So every so day so, he did the yeah. same thing, but invested in people. Yes, and all he, and all the people. It, his point was one of his points was this: he changed all the way up to the end. Why stop changing? Why not get up? Why not get up and hear the music? And he became a new creature every few years. Yes, yeah. as like, do you ever see Mr. Holland's Opus, the movie mm -hmm. with um. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Mm -hmm. You know, even he became a new Richard Dreyfus. A new. He was a professor, right? Who wanted to be a, um, a composer of music, right? And had to put that aside to teach. But his life became enriched, and then he enriched the other students, right? I love that scene when Olympia Dukakis gave him the the compass because he's been a compass in other people's lives. That's sounds what like, he really was. Yeah, it sounds like Maury. Yes, people. People felt better about themselves when they visited with him. When they visited Maury. Mm -hmm. They did. I'm going to kind of close this up. I'm going to put together a playlist that's going to get people up in the morning, including some of your songs. Because I, <laughs> I right. would have never thought Uptown Funk would have started your day. but <laughs> Charles Ratliff, Uptown Funk. I know, right? Yeah. So. Why do you, why do you say the dancing? Goes with <laughs> this will just be a music playlist. But <laughs> Okay. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit, Charles, about who's coming up. On the next episode, um, Ken Robertson, tell us just a little bit about him and what Ken can was a long time. Uh, this is kind of back to Patrick's point. Ken gave me a call last spring, and a uh, long time Walmart uh, uh, guy, uh, Patrick, uh, I forget now, 25, 30 year career, and it was time for a change. We did some visiting, and, uh, and I helped him uh, through this. Uh, current business I'm working with, uh, buying and selling businesses. And we just recently, uh, Ken and Kathy bought a uh, home health care business down in Fayetteville. They're going to be great. They're going to do very well with it. And I thought it'd be really interesting to hear that. Talk about the career change. And I, not We're not going to have another Patrick Spara. 
<laughs> career change, I don't think, uh, as we have future guests, but I thought it'd be real interesting that Kent and Kathy, if she'd like to come talk about that. That's wonderful. And if you want to find that podcast, we're going to keep all podcasts on the ratliffgroup.com and then anywhere you can normally find podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. And if you want to email us and give feedback or learn a little bit more about uh, what we're doing here, you can email us. There's a contact form on the ratliffgroup.com. Just shoot an email and we'll respond as soon as we can. Thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah, that was awesome. Today. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Charles. Well, thank I like you. me better when I'm with you. Oh, I'm just ready to say the same. We haven't seen each other in, in a while, but last time we did, you were showing me around uh, some of your real estate. I love it. I had a good time doing that. We, had it. we always have a good time. Yeah, that's right. So thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>